Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Ryan, JD, and Treg. Three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you your favorite stories, or our favorite stories, behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Today, Treg is going to tell us the story behind Barracuda by Hart. Yeah, this is one of my favorite Hart songs. You know, it's just such a hard-driving, good rockin' song. It is. And women are definitely underrepresented in hard rock. And so I felt like it was, we were way overdue in paying some did your tribute wife, to Did them. your wife tell you you had to do this one? <laughs> it's like for a Mother's Day episode? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, Barracuda is the first single from the band's second album entitled Little Queen. It was released in 1977. Barracuda has been labeled by reviewers as heavy metal and hard rock, both in both uh, genres. It became Hart's second top 20 hit in the U.S., peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100. And in 2009, it was named the 34th best hard rock song of all time by VH1. Oh, wow. It's a great song. Just love it. Love it. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the band. Hart was formed in about 1972 when Ann Wilson joined a rock group that had been formed by Roger Fisher on guitar and Steve Fossen on bass in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Well, it's in the Seattle, Washington area. The band had previously been named Army, White Hart, and Hocus Pocus. (laughs) So they'd had a history since the early 1960s of, of playing. One interesting story about the formation of the band is that Roger Fisher's brother Mike was a draft dodger. He was dodging the Vietnam War, and when the, when the authorities came to arrest him, he slipped out the back window of his house, and he escaped to Canada. And he uh, came across the border to visit family and to see a show from his brother's band. And Anne was in the band, and he met Anne at this show, and, and they fell in love. And so Anne followed him back to Canada. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And then they, because they fell in love, and, and uh, then not too long after that, Steve and Roger both also moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, where Anne and Mike were living. And so the band started playing in venues around Vancouver, and that's where they got their early start. Nancy Wilson joined the band in 1974, and she fell in love with Roger Fisher. So the Wilson sisters were both dating the Fisher brothers in the band. This is all pre-Hart? This is, well, Hart was formed in about 1972, it's, I was a little okay, fuzzy so. in the research about what the names were. I think when Anne originally joined the band, it, they, were called, they called themselves Hocus Pocus. Okay. And then they officially called themselves Hart in about 1972, 73. Oh. And then Nancy joined them in 1974, and then she uh, played guitar for the band. And my question is, when he jumped out the window, did he have his guitar with him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd hope so, right? Yeah. <laughs> Can't leave that. The band signed with Mushroom Records in about 1975, and they released their first studio album entitled Dreamboat Annie. That album had hit songs Crazy On You and Magic Man, which charted well. The uh, band enjoyed significant commercial success and eventually sold over a million albums with their first album. So after the first album became a million seller, Mushroom took out a full-page ad in Rolling Stone magazine touting the band's success, and they used the headline, Million to one shot sells a million. The ad looked like a front page of a tabloid newspaper, and it included a photo from the Dreamboat Annie cover shoot that made it appear that the two sisters were not wearing any clothes. And then it had a caption underneath it that said, Hart's Wilson sisters confess it was only our first time. 
implying that they were lovers. Oh. You can imagine this didn't go over well with the no. band. No. Yeah. Not at all. So this event was cited by the Wilson sisters as one of the key reasons in their decision to leave Mushroom. And I'm sure Mushroom had a long career after that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Producer Mike Flicker also added that Mushroom Records was so ridiculous in their contract negotiations that Hart decided to discard the album that they were already working on, called Magazine, and instead sign with a newly formed Portrait Records, which was a division of CBS Records, in, in order to make another record called Little Queen. And Little Queen is the album that Barracuda is on. Okay. So Barracuda is the hit single off their second, officially their second album, entitled Little Queen. It was written by Anne and Nancy Wilson, together with guitarist Roger Fisher and drummer Michael DeRossier. One of the best things about this song is the opening riff. It's just oh, this yeah. l- great, hard-driving riff. It's unmistakable. So let's listen to a little clip from that. According to the band, the song is a statement about the record industry in general. The Wilson sisters have noted in various interviews that the song was about Hart's anger toward the Mushroom Records ad that we mentioned before. The song particularly focuses Anne's rage toward a promoter who came up to her after a concert in Detroit asking about how her lover was. Oh, no. Yeah. She initially thought that he was talking about her then-boyfriend, which was band member Michael Fisher. But after the promoter revealed that he was talking about her sister, Nancy, Anne became outraged. And so she went back to her hotel room to write the song. And when she relayed the incident to Nancy, she too was outraged, and she wrote the melody in the bridge with this great angry music in order to fit the comparison of the uh, sleazy side of music to a dangerous wow. fish. That is so, incredible. Yeah. Don't, don't get women angry, right? No. <laughs> it's amazing how many times we tell stories that are like this, though, you know, where yeah. a situation happens like this and, or, you know, whatever it is, and just like a life event. And then a great, amazing song is written from that. That's yep. so cool. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. from something as simple as, you know, yeah. an ad in a magazine. You know? As producer Mike Flicker put it, Barracuda was created conceptually out of a lot of this record business BS. Barracuda could be anyone from the local promotion man to the president of a record company. That is the Barracuda. It was born out of the whole experience. Uh, I, l- I love this image also about this dangerous predatory fish, you know, which right. is the record industry. And uh, where it, it should be, um, while it should be taking care of its talent, it's not at all. It's more exploiting them you know, for its own yeah. personal gain. That's so, so true. They... they um just recently, I watched a video on YouTube about something, somebody ranting about how music is getting worse in general. The and mainly is because of the industry, because uh-huh. the industry drives, they're going to put their, back in the day when these bands were coming out, they could throw out one or $2,000 and promote them. And then the bands would be out there and they could, you had to have real talent to be out there <laughs> right, right. like heart. And but nowadays, the the industry has to put a couple million into pushing someone, and so they want to push wow. what people like, and what people like is 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 very like when an art teacher grades something. What do you call that? Subjective. Art. Subjective. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's very subjective what people like, but there right. is kind of a formula 
like with all these different bands and so the bands back in the day and and what uh i have a friend who's a, a producer he he records and mixes um modern music and and he uh, he said that if you do a record and you sign with a record label and you don't you so what happens is you sign with them and you get three records you promise to do three records three albums with the record label if your second label if your second album flops you still owe the record label one more album yeah, yeah. and so you're done basically oh wow and okay. so the record labels kind of i mean they are a good motive to get people out there that do good but they're also in that light they wow. can be not great for and the that's industry. still true even still with the proliferation today. of ways of sharing music oh, yeah wow yeah. that's amazing pretty crazy uh, I, I love some of the lyrics. The, the song opens up with this image of someone smiling. It says, you smiled like the sun, kisses for everyone, and tales it never fails. Smile like the sun, kisses for everyone, and tales it never fails. You can just see this uh, record producer with his fake smile and, you know, fake kisses for everyone. Right, right? yeah. And then in the next line, it says, you lying solo in the weeds, bet you're going to ambush me. You'd have me down, down, down to my knees, wouldn't you, Barracuda? You lying solo in the weeds, I bet you're going to ambush me. You'd have me down, 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 So you can just see the way that Ann Wilson feels about the record industry, right? You know, you got smiles and kisses for everyone, but you, what you really do is you're waiting to ambush me. And, and that's the way that she felt as a result of this ad. The, uh, the song really highlights Ann's power vocals, too. And she is one of my absolute favorite vocalists in rock music. She is just... Yeah, she, she has a great voice. By she far. hits those crystal clear notes with so much power. It is unbelievable mm-hmm. that she can get so, generate so much power. I love it. And she also brings such great energy to the song, too. So let's listen to a little clip of, of some of her vocals. No great rock tale hour would be complete without a little bit of litigation story, right? <laughs> Those are my favorite parts. <laughs> So they, they did end up in litigation with Mushroom. Uh, the Mushroom contract, as you mentioned, J.D., you said they, they, it called for two albums. And the label took the position that they were owed a second album because they left the label after, after their first album and in the middle of their second album, they abandoned their music, right? So Mushroom attempted to prevent the release of Little Queen or any other work by heart. So they went to court in order to do it. In early 1977, just before Portrait, which is the new label, released Little Queen. Mushroom released Magazine, which was the album they were working on before, with five unfinished tracks and two B-sides of live recordings. Really? We just They just released it based on, they had copies of? Yeah, what was they, they had the masters, oh. yeah. Wow. And they just released it. Wow. How would you feel about that as an yeah. artist? You know, yeah. you're... Your but, unfinished music being released <laughs> to the world. Again, though, I, you hear that happening even now, too. That happens all the time. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Anything anybody can get a hold of with Nirvana. Is, uh, no <laughs> doubt, right? There was something else. Yeah. Another one I was thinking this happened recently, too. I'm thinking just oh, someone recently departed. I can't remember if it was Prince or, you know, just all the stuff they're trying to dig up to release. Oh, and he, right, right. He had no intention of this stuff ever being released. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the litigation ended with that the court determined that Hart was free to sign with the new label but that Mushroom was indeed owed a second album. And so the court forced Mushroom to recall the album that they had released with the five unfinished tracks so that Hart could remix the tracks and add new vocals. So Hart went back into the studio to re-record and remix the, the songs, and uh, they did this in about four days in, during marathon sessions, and they, really, and they completed the recording. A court-ordered guard stood by to prevent them from erasing the master tapes. No way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How'd you like that pressure hanging over your shoulder? <laughs> you know, you're trying to create something, and the and the and the armed guard is standing there <laughs> to no. prevent you from, re- from I erasing. Have, I haven't listened to that album, so I don't know if it's a a good one or not. But is it? I mean, is it? Did they put their whole quote unquote heart into it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty good. It's got some good cuts on it. It's got uh, the single Heartless, if okay. you remember that song. Uh, it reached number 24 in the charts, and, and the album eventually did achieve platinum status. Oh, so, wow. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Little Queen was released in May 1977, and Magazine was re-released in April 1978. So Little Queen, which was released just before the official version or before the polished version of Magazine was released, and it sold, it sold way better than, than the magazine album did. Um, but what was interesting is that the release of these albums so close together uh, gave the band the distinction of having all three of their albums on the charts at the same time. Oh, wow. That's wow. cool. Isn't that great? So one other great story about the song. During the 2008 presidential campaign, if you remember this, uh, John McCain and, and uh, Sarah Palin. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah. That election? So Sarah Palin, in high school, she had the nickname Sarah Barracuda because oh. she was aggressive on the basketball court. And so the song was played at the 2008 Republican National Convention after she gave a speech. The next day, Ann and Nancy Wilson, they didn't like that. No. And so they released a statement that said, the Republican campaign did not ask for permission to use the song, nor would they have been granted that permission. We have asked the Republican campaign publicly not to use our music. We hope our wishes will be honored. Their wishes were not honored. The song was played at the convention that night after their presidential nominee, John McCain, spoke, and Palin joined him on stage. As the Republican campaign pointed out, they had, they had obtained the proper performance rights to the song, and they were under no obligation to get further permission to use it. With no legal recourse, the Wilson sisters retaliated in the media. And so this is what they told to Entertainment Weekly. Sarah Palin's views and values in no way represent us as American women. We ask that our song Barracuda no longer be used to promote her image. The song Barracuda was written in the 1970s as a scathing rant against the soulless corporate nature of the music business, Mm -hmm. particularly for women. While Hart did not and would not authorize the use of their song at the RNC, there's irony in Republican strategist choice to make use of it there. But this is also kind of interesting that the that Roger Fisher, who co-wrote the song, and he also was not a fan of Sarah Palin. 
But he saw things a little bit differently, and this is what he told to Reuters. He said that the song was being used and it was a win-win situation. He said that while Hart gets the publicity and royalties, the Republicans benefit from the ingenious placement of a kick-ass song. <laughs> he added that he would use some of the proceeds in a donation to the Obama campaign. Oh, wow. So the Republicans are now supporting Obama nice. by paying for the royalties for the That's song. That's funny. That's great. So good fun. <laughs> great song by the First Ladies of Hard Rock. Is that what they are? And the First Nancy Ladies? Wilson. That's what I call them. I like that. They are phenomenal, phenomenal they talents. Are. Nancy yeah. can shred on the guitar, and Anne has got the most powerful vocals that of any woman, maybe even any man in rock and roll too. She just can belt it out like yeah. nobody. And did did you ever know of any like other than what you talked about before? Any negative publicity in their later years that they got, or were they pretty? straight shooters as it were at least in the media i don't know i haven't heard anything about that. i've never heard anything because when i think of hard rock or i think of rock and women in rock like for some reason courtney love comes to mind i knew you were going to say that for some reason (laughs) and she was not a stand-up citizen no (laughs) everything i've seen and heard about her was it was not so great as compared to like hard i didn't really hear anything about them but solid vocals from the microphones they were amazing yeah just amazing and then like when people talk about heart or talk about singing in their their abilities you know uh what can you sing heart <laughs> really <laughs> yeah i could sing heart yeah okay I, you're you're yeah. hired <laughs> yep yep yeah, yeah it, it's it's no uh no wonder that so many of the contestants i think on american idol a lot of the women choose ann wilson songs because really? boy okay. if you can if you can sing that it really demonstrates your talent of course if you can't it really demonstrates your weakness too, and yeah. you know I've never seen anybody that's been able to do Ann Wilson like Ann Wilson. Right? No, I, I haven't. Either. No. I can't imagine anyone trying. Yeah. And and if you haven't seen this, the the tribute that they did to oh, yes. Led Zeppelin, Phenomenal. and they sing, yes, it's amazing. So is this an album video? What is this? It's a video. You can look it up on really? YouTube. Yeah, oh. heart covers. At the Lincoln at Center, At the Lincoln right? Center, and, and Led Zeppelin's there. Ooh, to re- to... Are they receiving an award? Is that what it was? It was it was the Lincoln Center Honors Led Zeppelin, I think. You right. know, that was the, the whole event, was to honor them. Yeah. Uh, amazing. What was the song? Stairway to Heaven, I think. Yeah, yeah, Stairway to Heaven. It was. it was awesome. I'll have to look that up. And, and you can see that um, John Paul Jones, in particular, I think, is in tears yeah. while she's singing. Yeah. And Jimmy Page, Jimmy, uh, he yeah. was tearing up a little bit. Yeah, really, like too. Oh, yeah. that's incredible! Yeah. Really good. This, how recent was this? That's a couple of years ago, I okay, think, so or maybe last recent. year even. Okay, no, it's been a few years at least. Has yeah. it? A few years. And now. Jason Bonham is on drums, I think. Yeah, John Bonham's son. So, so <laughs> cool. So cool. You know, the the Wilson sisters also did a cover of "Battle of Evermore," and I think I they released it. I think they released it as a band called the Lovemongers. I think I'm, you're right. Okay. Okay. And that is awesome too. What's the? Oh, is that a Zeppelin song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Battle of Evermore. Not yep. with that one. Yeah, it's a great song. Opens with a uh, um, mandolin. Oh, nice. Yeah, you'd recognize it yeah. if you heard it. Yeah. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah. So that is that is one of hopefully many songs by heart that we will cover in Rocktail Hour.
All right. Well, thank you, Treg, for that information on Barracuda from Heart. That was a great one. Please email us at dudes at rocktellhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, but Treg never does. <laughs> if you have an interesting Rocktail Hour of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that you would be great for a subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're just lame, well, keep that to yourself. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and rate us on iTunes. Until the next Rocktail Hour, rock on. Rock on.